0: Captain speaking with just a little flight information. We're flying at an altitude of 37,000 feet, and our airspeed is 400 miles an hour. A Couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra. That's a 357 caliber firearm with a black rubber grip and a six-inch barrel capable of piercing body armor at a distance of up to 27 feet. And it can put a hole in human bone and flesh the size of the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is coming up on the left-hand side of the plane. Sit back relax and, and enjoy That's the rest of the fight.
1: No, not you.
0: Not you. Your organization's terrible. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? Oh, you boy scout, but you know life. You know life. You know I'm totally off script right now. Hi listeners, it's Sam Carliner and I'm joined by a very prominent Assange activist, uh, one of the people who actually played a big role in introducing me to the movement, Misty Winston, host of Action for Assange Visuals, uh, the podcast Facts on the Ground, and just in general, always telling politicians uh, and media people to speak on the issue. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And uh, I do actually really wanna shout out uh all your work, but Facts on the ground because it was the episode that you and also, uh, your co host is very great, Jesse, did with uh Taylor Hodak and Mohammed Al
1: Yeah,
0: where it really I think clicked for me. Like I had sort of been here and there supporting Assange, but that was the episode where I was like, Oh no, we this absolutely should have as much focus as possible.
1: Well, those are two of some of the best independent journalists covering um, the Assange saga, I guess, as you might want to call it. Um, but yeah, I think that most people in general, when they hear about what's actually happening, uh, it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, it really is just a, a crazy situation where, you know, human rights are being violated. And, um, you know, we're losing our civil liberties and, you know, it's, it's this crazy, it's, we were just talking about this the other day. It's really surreal that this kind, this, this critical of a issue and court case is going on right now in real time and nobody's talking about it. Um, so yeah, it's that, that was one of my favorite episodes. Those are, I mean, two of the best, um, people covering the case right now. So yeah, I, I mean, thank you though. That's, that's cool when you get to hear that something that you did made somebody look into it, you know, a little bit, a little bit more and like, you know, have an open mind about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've had a few people do that with me and I always feel like imposter syndrome because I'm, I'm new. I still get that too. Don't worry. You're going to, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I still, I mean, (laughs) it's crazy. Well, I am interested um, because I, as I said, I've been following your work for a bit, but uh, so clearly you've been doing this longer than me, but, When exactly did you uh, get very invested in advocating uh, for Assange and other press freedom issues?
1: Um, Honestly, I uh, have, I I mean, I've known about WikiLeaks and been a supporter for a long time, um, really since the collateral murder video was first released. That's kind of the first time that they caught my attention. Um, So, but I was never really heavily involved. Like I supported them, I donated, I bought merch. you know, that kind of stuff. But I wasn't like super involved in the advocacy of Julian Assange or WikiLeaks or any of that stuff. Um, I've always kind of been involved in activism on some level. Um, I did more mutual aid stuff, you know, kind of in my early teens and 20s. Um, I've kind of gotten more into like activism on the ground or, you know, whatever lately. Um, But yeah, so you know, I'd always kind of been a supporter, but then, um, you know, the Unity for Jay Vigils um, that Susie Dawson did for a long time, um, I watched all of those. They were great, um, you know, and then when those ended, I was super, um, you know, worried that the that, that Julian Assange situation was going to start getting even more overlooked than it was. I mean, that was one of the very few sources that had consistent and reliable information on what was happening. And so when I saw on Twitter that there were people who were going to try to kind of pick up where unity for j left off and continue that, I was super excited. And that ended up being Taylor Hudak and Andrew Smith. Um, so they're two of the co-founders of the Action for Assange uh, vigils and just organization. I mean, it started as just a vigil, but they're doing so much more than that now. Um, so yeah, I actually met them. Uh, they, you know, I started following them. I was, I think, one of their first followers for the Action for Assange group. Um, but then I heard that they were, I was going to the Jimmy Door show uh, in Chicago, and I heard that they were going to be there handing out, you know, wristbands and, you know, kind of holding like sort of a semi-protest outside of uh, the Jimmy uh, Door venue. And so, um,
0: to clarify, okay. not, not protesting Jimmy Dore, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I know he's supporting, <laughs> like, um, uh,
1: you know, what was happening to Chelsea Manning at the time and Julian Assange and just, you know, just kind of not really a protest, but more of like a, um, awareness, uh, I don't know, an awareness rally or something to that, you know, it's a bunch of Jimmy Dore people. So, you know, we yeah. were all holding signs while we were waiting in line, whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, I met Taylor and Andrew when they were there doing that. Um, I was, I told them I was super excited that they were, you know, picking up where Unity for Jay left off. Um, and they, you know, they sat behind me at the show. They were talking to me. They kept asking me if I would come on the vigil. And I honestly, this, this kind of stuff is weird for me, like doing interviews and I'm very like socially awkward and I ramble and I'm, you know, loud and I, you know, rant and all this stuff. Um, So I was never super interested in doing it, but they kept asking me at the Jimmy Dore show. And frankly, I was a little drunk. (laughs) So I was like, yes, I'll totally do that. When we get back, I'll totally come on your show. And, um, you know, then they held me to it. (laughs) So um, I'd say that's when I got really involved um, more publicly, um, kind of more out there. Uh, they, They had me on their show. Um, and then, you know, they asked to have me back. And then, uh, you know, one of the hosts that they had uh, moved on to something else. And so they needed, a, you know, an occasional co-host. So they asked me to do it. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So that's kind of when I got super involved, I would say. It was probably about a year and a half ago, um, two years ago, maybe, because I was kind of involved heavily before that. But um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where it all started, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I-, I will say rambling is great for podcasts. Um, I'm a duh. rambler
1: terrible you have to know
0: to- po- no it like that's why I like podcasting and not I mean there's a million reasons I don't like cable but podcasting I like the rambling it's it's the real <laughs> shit um so I guess um so that's that is definitely a cool start story and then um since you have now been talking to a lot of different people I know you had an exchange with Paula Jean <laughs> um uh I guess what as you've been because a lot of people get beaten down. I'm in a weird place where I'm new. And I part of why it took me so long to really commit myself to this is when I originally started, no one was interested. And this was in a journalism school, a journalism community. That beats you down. So I'm in a weird place where I'm very optimistic because this is the first time where I'm starting to talk to people um, who care about the issue. But as someone who has been uh, longer with Assange activism, where, where would you say you are right now watching the trial and the response or lack thereof?
1: Um, just in terms of, you know, do, how optimistic do I feel about Julian's situation? Or do you mean like the the coverage and the reaction that I get from trying to get people to talk about it? Is that, which one do you mean?
0: Um, I guess just, just in general, uh, what what comes to mind when you think of the state of where we are with working for press freedom?
1: Oh, um, I want I, I'm a kind of a natural cynic, um, so and, you know, kind of a little pessimistic, maybe. Um, but yeah, I it, it's hard for me to feel great about where we're at because of the fact that. Um, the Julian Assange case has allo- has been allowed to get as far as it has i mean they hired a security firm to spy on his conversations with his lawyers i mean that's that's a protected conversation it's attorney client privilege his human rights have been violated repeatedly um you know he's got you know a couple different rulings from the un and you know the un special rapporteur on torture ha- has come out in his defense and is one of his biggest advocates now and you know he's been subjected to psychological torture and all of these things that are happening and it's happening in broad daylight and nobody seems to care and it's a really significant attack on journalism um free speech uh it's it's this really scary situation where this will criminalize investigative journalism adversarial journalism and um so it's hard for me to be positive, but at the same time, um, just over the past couple of weeks, I mean, listen, I have gotten beat down and I've had some really bizarre exchanges with some people who I thought would be supporters. Um, but at the same time, I, I do get a lot of positive reactions, maybe not from the big name blue check accounts that I'm trying to get to speak about it, uh, you know, I it, maybe not from Bernie Sanders or from you know, AOC or whoever, Uh, but from, you know, regular, cool people, leftists, people on the right, um, I'm I'm getting a lot of positive reactions from those people. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've been thanked over the past couple of weeks, just for tweeting. I mean, you guys, I'm not really doing that much, (laughs) really. Um, But yeah, I think, I think when people hear the specifics about what's actually happening, and they, they kind of remove themselves from the crap, um, that, you know, the propaganda campaign, um, when people really hear what's going on, it's, it's an automatic, holy crap, we have to do something about this, um, so yeah, I just, I, I, it's hard to say if I feel positive or negative or whatever, because I kind of feel a mixture of both, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have to have a little bit of hope, otherwise I wouldn't be able to continue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, what I've found is, at least my go-to phrasing, is you list Human Rights Watch, the ACLU, Amnesty International, Committee to Protect Journalists, Reporters Without Borders, all in the same sentence, and I think, uh, obviously, for, for some people, you have to do a bit more, but I think usually being like, every single one of these groups is sounding the alarms makes it click. Um So, yeah, I I am hoping that at least as more info gets out there. um, But I I think what we're also seeing is a problem is a lot of the independent media. Um, I mean, I've been most critical of Jacobin because they were sort of my intro into independent media. Uh, I've since realized a lot of the problems with them. But um, I, I I guess, how do you think we can maybe go about making, I mean, obviously corporate media, I'm not expecting much from, but making the people who actually are on the line with this trial to realize it and speak to it.
1: Oh, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I really do. Um, I'm also incredibly critical of um, independent media, um, especially leftist independent media. Um, It's, so bizarre to me that they're not covering this uh it's really it's honestly one of the most depressing things that I deal with it shouldn't be this shouldn't I mean you guys Tucker Carlson covered this and I can't get the young Turks to mention it I can't get you know um the humanist report
0: or what's that they're looking into it
1: right 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 you know because it's only been going on for a decade it's Mm -hmm. you know we got to look into it um, and then they're gonna gaslight about, you know, being criticized about saying they have to look into it. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, so yeah, it's, I have, to, I have to beg people online. I have to beg Bernie Sanders and, you know, progressive uh, candidates and politicians to talk about the greatest threat to free press in, in modern history. I mean, that's not hyperbole. this is legit. This is crazy bad. Um, And and given, you know, the kind of shift in the approach that the U.S. government just started taking, Craig Murray just wrote an amazing piece, it's a must read, um, discussing about how, you know, it was that they were, you know, they were trying to claim that Assange isn't a journalist, that was their line of attack, and now they're saying that actually no, um, he is a journalist, but that doesn't matter, because any journalist should be able to be arrested for this.
0: And I'm glad Um, you mentioned that, because that actually was a thing I planned on asking you about.
1: It's 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 I don't I I don't one of the another one of the most frustrating things for me is that I don't know how to find the words to make people understand how serious this is. Um, I'm not a super dramatic person, like I don't take things and blow them out of proportion or whatever. Um, this is really bad. Um, you know, journalism has been under attack for a very long time. Um, but that has been drastically amped up over the past 10 or 15 years. Um, it really kind of started with Obama. Um, I mean, in the, in a big way. Um, and then Trump, obviously, like he's done with everything else, just took that and ran with it. Um, so yeah, this is really bad. And the fact that we cannot get, you know, independent journalists and, and, you know, it's not like we haven't asked. There are a couple who have told, who have told friends of mine. Uh, straight up that the reason that they don't do it is because they're worried it will affect their bottom line, basically, their subscriptions and their clicks and their ad revenue and all that stuff. And that's depressing. Oh, it's depressing. So, yeah, uh, I don't know how we get independent media to talk about this. I I wish I knew the answer to that question. I really do. It's mind-boggling to me.
0: I mean, I think it's, it's definitely we're a step away from making this happen, but one benefit would... I hate appealing to this idea that you need to get ratings. You need to like show that this, this thing benefits you, uh, financially or, uh, uh, whatever the term for recognition is, um, to, to cover it. But I, I do feel like that's part of it because one thing I do really Think is cool about the people covering Assange is that a lot of them I had not heard of. Uh, and they're, I mean, just I feel like uh, Kevin Gostola, f- f- big fan of his work, of course, uh, has been skyrocketing. I think you recently have been getting more follows. Uh, Taylor Hudak, Mohammed, like everyone who's been covering it is clearly. Benefiting from covering it, and not that that should be the incentive to cover it, but I wonder if there's um if there's a, an approach that could be taken to, okay, well, what if say a Nomiki Konst or uh, Kyle Kalinsky or whatnot? He's he's been stepping up a little bit, but even then, um, do we think there's a way that they could lose uh, credibility? by ignoring this while claiming to be independent journalism
1: oh well that's what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. i mean I'm, i've am i reached the point where i'm now trying to shame them into covering this um because it's legitimately inexcusable it, i i just can't it's it, like i said it's bizarre to me that you know anna kasparian says she has to look into it this is a historical Case. It's a historical trial. A legendary whistleblower just testified yesterday and they didn't breathe a word of it. You're a news organization. This is newsworthy. What is wrong with you? Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm now down to shame. Like, I, if I can bring up the fact that Tucker Carlson has covered it and Jen Uger won't, I'm all over that. I will totally try to shame them into doing it. I don't know if it'll work. I tried being nice, that didn't work. So, I mean, at some point, uh, people are going to have to start holding their favorite content creators and independent news organizations accountable. Um, it's they're not going to cover stuff that they think is taboo or that they think is, um, you know, uh, possibly detrimental to their, you know, business model, which is ridiculous anyway. But um, you know, if you bug them, they will cover it because they'll see that you know, their audience wants to hear about it. Um, So, you know, it's going to be up to their viewership to really put pressure on them. I think, I think that's probably the most effective way to go about it. Me shaming them. They don't care about me. Let's be real. Um, Not that they should. Um, But if their viewership starts, you know, asking them, I mean, politely be polite. Don't be a, a turd. Um, but yeah, if you just go and ask them to cover it and just express how serious it is and how vital it is that, you know, this information gets out there, I think that's probably the best way to go about it.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, well, one thing I've been trying to get across to a lot of my former classmates, uh, who I, I still believe genuinely do care about press freedom. Uh, I think this was the thing that I exchanged with you a little bit that when the people who are teaching you and who you're, paying and looking up to to teach you, this is how you do journalism, or like, no, we don't touch this. It's not as clear as you think it is. And you're a young person just entering. A lot of times, even, even if you have the instinct that, no, this isn't right, you look to the people who are supposed to be the leaders that you're looking to. Um So one thing that I've been trying to get across to younger people is Whatever detriment to your career this it may have by speaking up and, and maybe a news organization won't want to hire you, it's going to have a lot more detriment to your career if press freedom doesn't exist. Um, I mean, maybe if all you care about is being the person who reads the newscast, then yeah, that's not going to be a detriment. You can still do that. But I know a lot of people who whether they realize Assange is a problem or not know that we should have press freedom. Um, but just aren't connecting it to this will have consequences for me. Um, so I think this idea of shaming people, it's a bummer to shame them, but it benefits them. Um, that's, that's sort of what keeps me going is the, I don't care if you feel bad now, I don't want to see you getting screwed over later. um, oh, I was going somewhere with this question, but like like everything with the trial, it, it just connects, it goes into any direction, really. Um, yeah, but you bring up
1: a really good point, too. Um, you know, this it, the fact that they're not covering it is very short-sighted. Um, they are 100% shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and it's very frustrating because we kind of went through sort of a similar situation with Russiagate. Um, people who were pushing Russiagate were only damaging themselves. I mean, people on the left, like Bernie Sanders, I mean, pushing Russia, they use it against you, dude. And you knew they were going to come on. It's not like we don't have, you know, historical reference for all of the times that these sorts of things have been used against the left. Um, but it's a very similar situation where, you know, they're, they're pushing these things that are, you know, it's, it's self-sabotage. Um, and so I don't, you know, I get being worried about, you know, making money or whatever. I don't do this to make money. I'm not in it for the money. I, I mean, I don't even really like doing it. Like it's, it's seriously very uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, which is why I rainbow because I get nervous, but yeah, I just, it, it, we need people to not be so worried about clout chasing and more worried about talking about things that need to be talked about. Um, there are so many issues that go completely uncovered. Uh, you know, we have leftist, independent media doing horse race coverage every single day. That's what they do. Um, It's, you know, what did Donald Trump tweet and, you know, what shoes did Kamala Harris wear and, you know, what dumb thing did Joe Biden say? And basically it's the whole, um, you know, kind of their whole shtick is, you know, here's something that a mainstream media outlet said today and now we're going to make fun of it. Um, and that's kind of their whole show. And they're not talking about actual issues. Um, you know, they criticize Democrats for not having any policy positions, but at the same time, they're not covering, um, you know, stuff that is getting completely missed out on. I don't care about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I don't care. I don't care. Um, they're, they're the exact same. They're you know, a different cover on the same book. I don't care. That does not matter. Um, we have to start looking past that. And too many of them, uh, well, almost all of them really, um, are dropping the ball. There's very few exceptions.
0: Mm -hmm. I wonder, do you think it's, uh, how much of it do you think is ill intentions and how much do you think is naive? Because I I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I do think an impression I get from you and also quite a few other Assange supporters is that these people are, dishonest and i think there's definitely a case for that i typically tend to be overly trusting but i think I, at least hmm? you'll
1: learn <laughs> that's true i am you'll still baby, but enough. you will be jaded
0: soon enough my oh no um but i do i do feel like there has to be some level of positive intention with naivety and hypothetically, I sound like Ben Shapiro, Jesus Christ, Uh, but but hypothetically, if there is naivety, what do you think it could take? What do you think it would take for people? Because clearly we're at sort of the, a pivotal moment and that's not waking people up. What do you think we'll have to see for those who, who mean well, uh, whoever they are, who mean well, but just are not seeing the bigger picture to realize what the bigger picture is?
1: Oh, um, I don't see, because I'm so cynical, I can't even think of somebody who I think is just really naive. Um, I mean, these are not stupid people. Um, You know, It's really difficult for me to imagine that they're incapable of grasping the severity of it. And you may be right, there may be, and I don't even know if I would necessarily call it, you know, being naive. I think some of them have just managed to convince themselves that what they're doing is what they should be doing and um that it's important and that they're doing good work. and i'm not saying that they don't do you know some decent stuff all of them absolutely do um i just think that the problem with independent media you know everybody was you know everybody talks about how it's great that they're not you know uh you know funded by corporations or whatever and that's true But the problem is, is that they are funded by people. And what happens is, and whether it's intentional or not, I don't know, I mean, that's a case by case situation. Um, And I can't pretend to know what somebody's thinking or what their intentions are. But, um, you know, I just think that there's, um, there's, I kind of, I don't even know how to phrase it really. they're ignoring so many I think what happens is is that they're they're funded by people and they, they know that they have to appeal to the broadest base and so they start to self-censor and they start to ignore issues that might be a little bit um, uh, you know a little bit controversial or difficult to talk about or you know whatever and they and I again I don't know if they're doing it for nefarious reasons. But I do know that it happens. Um, They have to be concerned about appealing to the most amount of subscribers, and they have to worry about keeping their Patreons happy. And they have to worry about, you know, keeping their ad revenue and not saying anything that will, you know, piss off the algorithm or whatever. Um, So there's a lot of this self censoring that goes on and a lot of people molding their show to fit confirmation biases of their audience and um tell people what they want to hear and just go for easy clicks um you know it's really easy to get a click off of a video making fun of joe biden that's a really easy click to get um and it's unfortunate but i think that that's a lot of what's happening
0: well i think and that's a thing that um Obviously, Chomsky, I guess, is sort of the, the, the father of it. Um, but I, Caitlin Johnstone, I'm a big fan of, too, oh. writes... I, she followed me yesterday, and I still, like, my brain hasn't processed it. Like, I really do not feel like I deserve it. But what I love about her, and what is so rare on the left, is, is this... I think there's too much of this idea that by shaping government, you shape media, rather than by shaping media, you shape government, or, or that both go on at the same time. Um, and I think another problem is that whether people realize it or not, everything is impacted by corporate news. Even, even with the lowest possible approval ratings, when they are the loudest voice in here's how we understand politics, that, that seeps into everything. Uh, And if anything, when you believe, oh, I'm different because I don't trust these people, it causes you to be less vigilant. So one thing that I have really appreciated about your account is an emphasis on organizing within media or focusing, prioritizing how media shapes things. And I'm sorry to give such a broad question. I I like broad questions because you can go anywhere. But um, what do you think... What do you think um, a left that focuses on media issues might look like compared to what we have right now?
1: Oh, wow. That is a very broad question. Um, But yeah, Caitlin um, is, I think, probably a great deal of kind of why I focus so much on the media and sort of the narrative management aspect of everything is a lot to do because of Caitlin. Um, she's amazing. She's been very kind to me. Um, I love her. Her work is amazing. She's, I'm honestly in all daily of her talent. It's crazy how good she is. I
0: really think um, she, sorry to cut you off. Can I just pile no, on to the Caitlin praise real quick? I like, cause I actually don't think I've shouted her out on the show yet. Or if I've, if I have, it's been quick, but I honestly cannot uh, recommend to people enough. Like, I really think she's on just such a, I feel Different so cheesy saying higher level, but she really is on a higher level. And like you said, she boosts people. Like she, she is not just there for herself. She, she's, she's retweeted me a lot, and it, it, she's. It's so rare that you get someone who's like just understands things that well, and then is like, okay, I'm also going to put people on. Like you usually get one or the other. So. Sorry to, sorry to cut off where you were going with that. Well, uh, okay. I'm
1: always okay with flying over Caitlin Johnstone. I think I mention her at least once on every single show that I do, every interview that I do. So yeah, it's okay. We can totally have like a um, yay Kate uh, session here. I could, seriously, she's she's amazing. Um, but yeah, now I forget what your question was. Oh, uh, so yeah, her whole um, focus on narrative control and how that, that, that I, I've been saying it for the, the last couple of months, but the fight um, for narrative is the front line of every other battle we face. If you want healthcare, if you want, you know, a living wage, if you want a Green New Deal, if you want, you know, election security, it, you're not going to be able to get any of that without um, being able to combat the control for narrative, because that is so... That is a huge part of the reason why we don't have so many of the things we don't have, because um, you know our, our media is like 90% controlled by like five or six corporations, um, and that's not just news. That's all of the media you consume. You know, movies, TV shows, commercials, all of that stuff. Um, so that's a scary thought um, that there's that kind of consolidation of power about information um so yeah i think for me in in like a dream world um well i guess like in a dream world we wouldn't really need you know a wikileaks or whatever because our government would just be transparent and decent and you know whatever um but i think if if we're looking at the situation we find ourselves in now and what i would like how i would like to see like a lefty sort of independent media sphere work um i would just really like to see people not be afraid to cover um the stuff that is a little scary and outside the box and um you know have difficult conversations with people you don't agree with and um not be so worried about you know am i gonna get invited to politicon or am i gonna get invited to some convention or am i gonna how many clicks can i get on this video and I mean, I get all of that stuff. Like I get, you know, focusing on, um, you know, we live in a capitalistic society and people have to make money to pay their bills and I get all of that, but we need, what we need is more people less concerned about that and more concerned about moving a legitimate leftist movement forward, um, and, and working together and not, um, you know, wasting time on stuff that is meaningless. I mean, just, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but covering the election 24 hours a day is meaningless. That election is meaningless. You're wasting your time. Um, None of that really matters. We have to start focusing on stuff that's outside the box. That's the only way we're gonna get stuff done. I mean, it's not going to just happen. They're not just going to hand it over. We're gonna have to start working toward it for ourselves. Um, so yeah, I think that would be, that's, that's all I really want is just, I mean, I'm not asking for, you know, a Kyle Kulinski to spend every minute of his show on Julian Assange, but I shouldn't have to beg for him to make a seven minute video. Um, you know, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to beg the Young Turks to cover it. I shouldn't have to, those are things I shouldn't have to be doing. These people are supposed to be on our side. Um, so yeah, it would be cool if we could just get more people focused on covering things that need to be covered instead of just constantly worrying about clout.
0: I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's also not hard um, really in not. terms of this is like this month has been the first time I'm doing full episodes on Assange. But when I was a college radio show still, it takes two minutes every you can like and um, I feel bad because I just met this guy and don't remember his channel. I might try to add it in an outro, but um, uh, another person I met takes the approach of, it doesn't matter what I'm covering, two minutes or even a minute, just a consistent reminder, the Assange trial is going on. It has consequences for journalism. uh, it, It reminds people. And that's, I think, such a thing that we have fruit fly attention spans not because people have fruit fly attention spans, but because when everything you're seeing is covered for a hot second and then never again, you don't focus on it. Um, so I think sort of to your point, it obviously we need people who this is the main thing they cover, but we don't even need everyone to have this be the main thing they cover. We need it to be a regular thing they cover, uh, even if it's, Even if it's short, it just the reminding people. And I don't think that's going to affect their bottom line. Maybe, maybe for, I mean, Young Turks, if if they're being funded by people. But for just someone who makes their money off of YouTube, I don't think adding a short disclaimer in each of your videos being like, hey, Assange. Um,
1: I legitimately think it would help their bottom line, personally. I mean, just from my experience. Um, The more I talk about it, the more people are interested in it, the more follows I get. Like you said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like looking for those follows or whatever, but they, they want to know, people want to know what's going on. And when they hear about it, they want to know more. And so I honestly don't think it would hurt them at all. And so the only thing I can think then is maybe it's not even about that, but maybe this is that they don't want to piss off the you know, the potential job opportunities, the MSNBCs and whatever. I think a lot of these people and I, again, it's case by case. I don't know what their intentions are, but I think it's a very uh, obvious thing that some of these people, most of their videos are audition tapes for future job prospects. Um, And, you know, that's okay. Do your thing. But um, we need people, more people, um, you know, who aren't Concerned about that. I don't ever want to be on MSNBC. I wouldn't. There's n- <laughs> that. There's no way that would never happen. Um. So yeah, we just need more people like that, and that's I, That's why I love Caitlin for boosting people. Um. Who are you know trying to get their voice out there. She. She's been so um. You know, encouraging of me and and helpful to me. And we need more people like that who are already kind of in it to encourage others to do it. I try to do that. Um. You know we. It, but we really do need more people, um, who aren't as focused on, you know, uh, you know, furthering themselves and their own personal agendas or whatever. Um, I, I, but that's, that's a tough ask, I guess. That's a a tough ask of people.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I do think on the positive side, like you said, and what I've just been seeing on my own timeline, tweeting about it works. Like, um, (laughs) like it really is, And I think I I keep saying that in this episode, but it's because I hope that if anyone's listening and is like, no, this, this, uh, no one wants to hear about this or it'll make me look bad. It doesn't. It really does. um, It is received well. Well, and that's something
1: also, too. um, You know, when I tweet at, you know, a Bernie Sanders or a Benjamin Dixon or whatever, I will often get a ton of replies. He's never going to say anything. I know that, you guys. I know that. I'm not just tweeting at him. I'm tweeting at anybody who's maybe going to come across that tweet and see it and think, oh, I wonder why he hasn't said anything about that. Or, you know, who might just see that, you know, I'm talking about the Julian Assange case and how he faces 175 years in prison for exposing war crimes. And if somebody sees that tweet and they go and then, you know, take a look at it, or if they start to wonder about it or if they ask a question about it, that's more if you i been tweeting at. I know Bernie Sanders isn't going to say shit. I've been calling that guy's office, both of them, um, for over a year. I've been tweeting at him for a very long time. I have been sending emails for a very long time. I know he's not going to say anything. I'm not an idiot, but you it, putting it out there gets eyes on it. And um, if I can use the fact that a lot of people will be looking at his name and his timeline and stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I I mean, I've started now using hashtags that are trending that have absolutely nothing to do with Julian Assange, but I'll put them in my tweets because it gets eyes on it. Um, You have to get creative and you're right. When people, uh, when you tweet about tweeting works, Um, I'm amazed. Like I have always kind of been skeptical of, you know, kind of, um, Twitter activism, I guess. Um, a lot of the times that's kind of what I'm limited to being the fact that I have two kids and, you know, especially now I have, I'm a teacher, I'm a homeschooler. (laughs) Like I didn't sign up for that, but, um, but yeah, so it's, but I've always been kind of skeptical of it, but over the past couple of weeks, I'm telling you, it does work. And I haven't got a lot of responses back from big name blue checks, but like I said, a lot of people are seeing it And, um, you know, they're asking me questions, and they're sending me DMs, and um, they're retweeting it, and then their followers are retweeting it, and that's what it's going to take. Um, In uh, Juan Passarelli's new documentary, uh, Nils Melzer said that, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's up to the public. We cannot count on the legal system to do what's right here. That's not going to happen without immense public pressure. And so it's going to take us talking about it a lot loudly um, over and over and over again. And it, you know, I'm sure I'm probably getting on a lot of people's nerves talking about it endlessly, but I honestly don't care. It's it's too important to not um, fight back against. So this is, to me, this is maybe the biggest issue that we face. Um, you know, like I said, you can't, you're gonna have a hard time fighting for any other issue um, if we lose journalism. And that's where we're at. We're, I mean, like I said, journalism has been under a sustained and strong attack for a long time, but this is a turning point. I mean, this is a a turning point in um, the future of journalism and um, government accountability and transparency. And there's a lot on the line here. So um, yeah, I don't care if I annoy you, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, But it really is gonna take just an army of voices and, yeah, that's why I wish we could get more people talking about it. I mean, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, it is working, though. You're right. Twitter does work. Um, tweeting does work. You just have to be creative and annoying, <laughs> really.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, uh, uh, I guess we'll see. But I'm, I'm still in the overly optimistic phase. I, th- I think I might be one of the most optimistic people on the left, which – We'll see how long, I think it'll last, knowing me, but it, we'll see if it works out well to be optimistic.
1: We are polar opposites, because I am incredibly pessimistic. I get a lot of crap for that. Um, but I, it's it's really difficult for me to look around and see the situation in, w- in which we find ourselves and not be pessimistic. Um, you know, like I said, the fact that I have to beg people to talk about this um, is really bizarre and frustrating. Um and so it's hard for me to be positive when I, you know we're, we're up against that kind of a thing. Um, I mean, I do have to say, though, too, I understand to some extent why some people have a difficult time talking about it, because it is a really complicated issue when you get down to it. There's been a decade-long propaganda campaign against this guy. Um, there are a lot of smears to combat.
0: Um, I held out cause of the, for a while because of the sexual assault one, which- it was explained, the, the first guest we ever had on the show, uh, Jim Cavanaugh, I want to shout him out because he was the first person I actually got on to really talk about Assange. He did a great job at explaining and debunking the sexual assault smear and it it, it, it is and he said this at the time it worked and that's why they used it because it's effective. Um, it's
1: incredibly effective and I think that Um, You know, Caitlin has uh, the big article debunking Julian Assange. Um, It is a beautiful, massive trove of information um, on debunking, you know, I I won't say all because I'm sure she missed one or two, but a vast majority of the smears that have been leveled against Julian Assange over the years. And she does a great job in there on um, talking about the sexual assault charges. But that is a really effective way to smear somebody It's very difficult to fight back against that, Um, you know, especially Especially on the left. Well, and especially now with the whole after Me Too and, you know, Believe All Survivors, which, you know, generally speaking, I support believing all survivors. But I think that a lot of people fail to recognize that this isn't just some dude. Um, This is a guy who has made very powerful enemies. And uh, it's not outside the realm of possibilities that they are lying to make him look bad. And I get wanting to believe all survivors, but even in this situation, the survivors themselves never wanted to press charges or never claimed that he you know, raped them or anything like that. Um, but nobody knows that. And, and that, that again, goes back to independent media not covering it. That's why a vast majority of the left is so ignorant about that specific, issue, because they won't even cover that. Um,
0: And also, sorry, um, as someone who was a child when all of that happened, trying to backtrack and find info that isn't just, he was wanted for uh, rape, uh, or just like an oversimplification and no explanation whatsoever. Um, So I don't know how it is for people who who were adults when this happened but for young people i was doing research before the episode it is impossible to find uh just through regular searching all good content that does explain these things
1: that's why i love caitlin's article and also um another huge shout out to nils melzer because he's he wrote a, a a beautiful piece um he's done multiple interviews where he's explained all this very well So, for people who don't know, Nils Melzer is the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture. Um, uh, uh, I don't know, a while ago, a year, two years ago, maybe, I don't remember. um, He was asked to examine the Assange case because Assange's legal team felt like he was being uh, subjected to torture. Um, And Nils Melzer did not want to look into this. He um, kind of bought into the propaganda. He didn't really care. Um, you know, it, he, he didn't really feel like it was a big issue or that, you know, anything was wrong. And um, so he, he was very hesitant to even take a look at the case. Um, but to his credit, he did. And once he did and he allowed himself to examine the evidence, it was very clear to him that he had been had. I mean, he had been manipulated. And, and he is very vocal about that now and admits to it. And he's one of my favorite people in the world. He, he honestly is one of the people that gives me the most amount of hope because he, um, you know, kind of fell for the propaganda. But when he allowed himself to look at it, he changed his mind. And, um, you know, that's what rational thinking adults should do when presented with evidence that, you know, is in conflict with your current beliefs. You should examine that and, you know, maybe rethink yourself. Um, That's an okay thing to do and he did that and I'm incredibly grateful to him for doing it Um, and now he's one of, you know, our loudest advocates and greatest fighters. Um, So he's written a bunch of uh, amazing stuff on the sexual assault case um, and has done a very good job at sort of debunking that and discussing the details of, I mean, he's, uh, he's Swedish, so he speaks fluent Swedish, obviously. Um, so he that was very instrumental. he was able to go back and look at all of the police documents and all of that stuff. And, and, and really get a feel for how manipulated that situation really was. Um, so yeah, that's a difficult smear to combat, but it's definitely doable. Um, it, it's all about approach. And really, the biggest thing is just making sure that you understand yourself what happened. Um, and those are some great resources that you can go look at, um, so that you can kind of inform yourself. Um, I get that it's a difficult case to talk about because it is so complex, but there are a lot of amazing resources out there where you can inform yourself and you know, then start having honest conversations about what the reality of it is because what we see in mainstream media and what little we see, it's all crap. It's all propaganda um, and misinformation and um, smoke and mirrors. And so yeah, that, that's, that is the battle that we face is trying to combat the propaganda campaign and and try to you know reeducate educate people really
0: yeah absolutely i we 've touched on the general blob of ideas i 've had in my head of things that i 'd want to talk about. Um, I always like giving anyone an opportunity to say anything i didn 't uh, suggest if you have anything. Um, yeah. And if um, not, just, oh, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. And and uh, so, so say anything. And also, since I know you are very tapped into resources, uh, I know you've been tweeting a lot about them. But if there's any we haven't mentioned that you think deserve a specific shout out, um, please feel free to add those too. Yeah,
1: OK. So um, I guess just kind of to tie it up, there's not really anything that I think that we haven't touched on that should be touched on. Um, i mean all i can really say is that you don't have to be a full-time assange activist to make a difference um i think a lot of times activism can feel sort of um clubbish and um you know clicky sometimes and that's not at all the case with the assange movement um and it, it really can be as simple as just having a conversation with somebody in your life Um, sending a tweet a retweet, you know, donating to an independent journalist who's covering the case, um, or even contacting your favorite content creators and asking them to cover it. Um, So everybody can do something. Um, So it it, it may seem insignificant and small, but it really is, like I said before, it really is going to come down to us having an immense amount of public pressure. Um, And so every little bit, every single tweet, every you know, conversation you have with your aunt or your hairdresser or whoever, those things will make a difference. I mean, we we need to have that sort of collective effort. Um, So, you know, that's, I guess that's the only thing I would kind of want to impart on people, you know, as we kind of wrap it up. Um, as far as sources that I, we haven't mentioned, um, I'll forget probably a lot of people. And I hate when people ask me to do lists cause I always forget. You somebody. don't have
0: to then it's absolutely fine.
1: <laughs> no, they need to be shouted out, but it, it's inevitable. I always forget somebody amazing and then I hate myself for it. Um, uh, but yeah, we mentioned Kevin Gasola. He's doing an amazing job. I talked about Juan Passarelli. He has a new documentary out. He's also one of the journalists who is um, doing the live tweet updates on the case. Uh, Muhammad Al-Mazi we mentioned, Taylor Hudak, um, obviously the Action for Assange crew, they're amazing. They've been doing great on the ground work in DC um, during the past couple of weeks. They're still there now. Um, and then obviously Slow News Day, who is also one of the co-hosts of the Action for Assange Vigils. He's amazing um, on his other show as well. Um, but yeah, there's um, a lot of, uh, Craig Murray, um, Craig Murray is writing. He always, he did this in February too. It's like a daily kind of briefing, I guess, which, It's kind of an unfair thing to say because I don't think Craig Murray ever writes briefly. Like he's, he's amazing. Uh, If you're not reading those, you absolutely should be. He is, I mean, those are, if I could say any one thing that is a must read, it's Craig Murray's dailies. Um, He's just really gifted at putting things in perspective. Um, But yeah, like there's people even like, um, you know, George Galloway does a great job or Gordon Dimmick is amazing, Red Star Radio. Um, let's see, who else am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting amazing people. Oh, Elizabeth Foss, um, go Richard ahead. Richard
0: Medhurst.
1: Oh yes, Richard Medhurst. Go he, he was just on Action for Assange last, last Saturday, which I was super mad about because I usually co-host on Tuesdays, not Saturdays. And I really wanted to host when he was on. And so now I'm forcing him to get him back because I want to be there. Um, we just had Ray McGovern on Tuesday. That, uh, story time with Ray, everybody should check that out. So, Ray's amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, i I know I'm forgetting great people and I feel awful about it. Uh, lo, lo, lo,
0: lo, lo. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I do think, like I said, one of the coolest things about those who are covering it is that you follow any of them and at, eventually they will just share with you the other people who are like, it really does feel like a, oh, yeah. it's, everyone um, is lifting everyone because yeah. we need to, but it is really, it is a, this
1: is this is Seriously, I said it earlier, there's no, like, clubbishness, this is a team, like, we're a team, uh, you know, Christine Assange calls us Team Assange, um, but it really is, like, I think it's because the people who are involved and who um, understand the situation, it's not about any one of us, it's, 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 we don't care about, like, our own personal stuff, and honestly, it's going to sound a little weird, it's really not even about Julian, um it is because it's his life worth fighting for and saving absolutely no question I'm, that's definitely not what i'm saying but it really is so much bigger than that um so yeah it's i think i think that's kind of the mentality that we all have is that it's not it's not about any one of us or any of our own crap or
0: egos um it, i think it's, it's the slogan all, we are all Assange cuz yeah. it, it could be any single any single journalist who wants to cover a thing could be and um
1: and not even just <laughs> journalists; they can label anybody a journalist, and they can say that you, you know, violate, violated the Espionage Act and arrest you um, and yeah. throw you in a super prison. Um, so it really is; it's not just journalists or people who are in this kind of world of, you know, online streaming or you know, podcasts or any of that stuff. It really is all of us, literally all of us. Um, so uh, you know, there. I think that that's probably my favorite thing about being involved in the Assange case is that it really is kind of like this family team mentality and effort. And I mean, we fight and bicker and all that stuff, but when it comes down to it, it's, um, it, it really is about the, the, the greater good, the higher purpose, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, a, if anybody wants sources, I'll just say, go to my Twitter. Um,
0: I have yeah to- uh, please plug that that was my last question yeah go to and my plug your other work too
1: yeah i go to my twitter i i tweet these people out all the time seriously i'm a tweeting machine right now um you know i i tweeted a fair amount before the assange trial started back up but good god that's i feel like that's all i do right now um but yeah just go to my twitter there's you know uh, Susie dawson's created like a list you know on your twitter um if you want to check that out and she has like a, a, a list compiled of all of the journalists who are covering the Casey uh, video link. Um, so yeah, just my, my Twitter is um, at sarcasm startups. Um, and yeah, I've got all kinds of resources and actions and um, You know, uh, threat tweets to threads of, you know, the, the the journalists that are covering it and all of these things. I mean, you can find all that stuff there and not just my Twitter. There's plenty of other people who are doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, you can check out the Action for Assange vigils. Um, they generally live stream on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Right now, it's a little kind of um, up in the air because, you know, like Andrew's waking up at four in the morning to cover because it's in London. So he's waking up at like four in the morning to cover um, Uh, you know as it's happening the live tweets that are happening because nobody else is doing it so Andrew does it um but yeah check out the action for Assange live stream um you can check out facts on the ground I have a couple different like you said I have the one with Taylor and Mo and uh, we also interviewed Juan Passarelli about the documentary that I mentioned earlier and just to plug his documentary too um if you haven't seen it it's a must watch it's a really good um film to watch for people across the spectrum of knowledge on this case. If you're somebody who knows nothing about it, it will make sense to you. And if you're somebody who is heavily involved, um, you know, you'll learn something new, you'll get some good information and it'll just make you even more angry. But yeah, (laughs) it's a great documentary. It's only, I think it's like 38 minutes long and he managed to um, pack so much vital information and get, um, you know, a, a really, a really good grasp around the severity of you know everything going on so definitely check out that um but yeah I think I don't know if I'm I know I'm missing uh, and I'm very sorry you guys I'm sorry if you were like an amazing journalist and I forgot to mention you my brain went totally blank right now I'm sorry direct the hate
0: at me instead
1: yeah i this seriously I really hate doing what it never fails I always forget somebody amazing and I know I did because I only mentioned like six people and there's far more than that but I'm sorry, um, but seriously, go to my Twitter, check it out. There's plenty of people there um, to follow for information.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Misty Winston, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, this was, without a doubt, a great conversation. And I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for covering it. Um, thank you for getting involved and, you know, have, you know, being willing to have your eyes open to, you know, kind of where we're at right now. I, I mean, that's, that's a, a cool thing and it's nice to hear, and it's cool to see you doing good work and, you know, covering these issues in a way that it needs to be covered. So thank you for doing that.
0: Of course. Thank you.